This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friends at SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com is the only official home of Swamp Boys Genetics. SeedsHereNow.com also carries TH Seeds, Aficionado Genetics, and of course, Irie Genetics. Everything at SeedsHereNow.com is backed by an award-winning satisfaction guarantee. And for my friends on a tight budget, SeedsHereNow.com offers several packs for under $30, as well as amazing monthly sales. Make sure to use coupon code GFYH10 while checking out. Once again, that is coupon code GFYH10 while checking out at SeedsHereNow.com. Now let's jump into the podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff, and this is episode 666 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about integrated pest management. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who support the show on Patreon. Let's start off with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you. Shout out to my friend Ivan Munoz. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Red-Eyed Optimist and Canner Reaper 413. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Made While Medicated and Thomas McGinnis. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Captain Mojo and Zaxxon Starker. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Spherical Glassworks and 716 Grows. Let's send a big fist bump to a longtime supporter and a good friend, Jesse Grows. Then let's wrap up the shout outs with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out and a fist bump to The Dad Hayes. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show. If you are not already supporting the show on Patreon and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need is right there on the screen. And you know, I did put a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends. Once again, patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. Again, I would like to invite you to join the Irie Genetics Grow From Your Heart podcast Discord server. We've reached approximately 1,100 members of the Discord server. It has been a good time. I hang out in the live chat. I do some video chats, take some dabs, talk about growing, answer a bunch of questions over there. Uh, sometimes if I'm packing up seeds or getting orders together, I just hang out in the chat and hang out with the friends. It's like having some company or someone to hang out with. Join me. You never know when I could be in the chat. Also, if you've got any questions about anything I read genetics, the Discord server is a great place to go for information. There are people there right now that are ready to help you, willing to give you advice, guidance, details. They will fill you in. <clears throat> so once again, I do cordially invite you to join us on the Discord server. And of course, there is a link in the show notes and in the video description. All right, I did say this episode was going to be about integrated pest management. This could take a while, so I don't want to ramble too much here at the start of the show. Try to use my voice uh, for the lesson here. So let's get right into it. Integrated pest management. I got a question from Patreon. It said, can you do a series on integrated pest management? There is so much to cover. And I replied with, there is so much to cover. So this may be a long episode. I'm not going to get into details on uh, each specific pest. We're going to talk about basic integrated pest management. Let's get right into it. What is the first step 
to making sure we don't get a, we're going to get, let me start by saying this, you're going to experience bugs in your garden. Shit does happen. We can't stop everything. Uh, sometimes the best way to learn how to prevent a pest is to get a pest. The best way to learn how to eradicate a pest is to get that pest. You never learn about a problem until you have to face it. So you're going to get problems in the grow. Bugs are going to show up. Powdery mildew is going to show up. Things are going to happen. That is how life goes in a grow environment, whether it's indoors, outdoors, greenhouse, whatever you're doing, there's the huge opportunity, very high likelihood for bugs, especially if you're growing in an area where I grow, where I live, uh, it's legal here. Everybody grows. Everybody works in a commercial facility or a dispensary or their boyfriend or cousin or roommate or somebody is involved in a grow somewhere. So we're all trading bugs. We go to a house to go play video games or smoke with a friend. You sit on the couch and you're just passing spider mites back and forth. You go to your other friend's house, you take the mites there or you get their mites. That's just how it works when everybody works in a grow. So we've got to stay on top of it. You're going to get bugs. Don't let the bugs discourage you. Don't let them scare you. If we know what to do and how to identify bugs before the time comes, we don't panic as much. So I try to be prepared, try to read about what's coming, uh, try to know what to expect, uh, try to Google and research things. I'm going to do a little bit of that work for you. Um, so you're going to get bugs. No matter how well you set up your grow, how well you design your things, things may happen. So don't feel like... Uh, like you've done something wrong. Don't feel like you've got shame or something. You've got something to hide if you've got bugs. This is a good learning opportunity and the pride will come when you defeat the problem and have a successful crop even though you did have some fears in the beginning or middle of the cycle. All right, so um, that is my kind of disclaimer, my, what is that, a preface there? So we, you're gonna get bugs and don't feel like, it, like you failed or anything. It's very common, especially in my area, in my industry. So uh, the number one way to prevent uh, problems is to uh, have a plan in place before problems ever even start. Prevention is key. Like I said a moment ago, learn how to identify bugs. Have a strategy. Where are you growing? I just said that I'm in, I'm in Colorado. It's legal to grow here. I can have six plants in my home. Everybody's got six plants in their home. Anybody my age, in my age range, uh, if you're 21 to 45, maybe 60, you've probably got six plants in your home. If you've got a medical marijuana recommendation, you can have six more. So you may have up to 12 plants in your home. Uh, that means there's probably one house on every block growing, in my opinion, in my experience. Honestly, it's about that average. <clears throat> so where are you growing? I know that here in Colorado, everybody, like I said, has got spider mites, powdery mildew, fungus gnats, thrips. We've got all the basic bugs because we're just trading it from commercial facilities. What bugs pop up where you live? If you're growing indoors, outdoors, greenhouse environment, what kind of bugs are known to be uh, present in gardens where you live? If you're outdoors, you can do a quick uh, little Google search and find out what kind of bugs are gonna show up in an outdoor garden, and you can be prepared to battle those bugs. Know what they look like, know what their eggs look like, know what kind of signs they leave on the plant. What do they do? Do you see their poop? Do they make bite marks? Uh, do you see eggs? Lots of things will indicate that bugs are there. Know what you're looking for, know how to find them, and have a plan of attack before you even get the bugs, and it will help you out tremendously. A little bit of training ahead of time, and you'll know how to react without going into panic mode. Uh, panic mode, panic mode in the garden causes more problems 
than it ever fixes. I see people just decide to do random crazy shit because they had a problem that was a level two and they're like, well, then I sprayed, I defoliated, I overwatered, I changed the light cycle and then I fed it completely different nutrients. And I'm like, well, you just took that level two problem and made it a level seven by doing too many damn things to the plants. If you know what you're doing, know how to not panic. You've got a much more likelihood of a successful rescue or an eradication of a problem. So know what problems are coming. Know what to expect. What kind of bugs are in your area? Most common bugs for every grow, you're going to see spider mites, fungus gnats, thrips. Um, I'm sure there's other stuff that we'll talk about. Aphids are common, especially if you're growing outdoors. Everybody gets worms and caterpillars outdoors. Know what is coming. Prepare for those things. Then the next step is to think uh, how nuclear or organic do you want to go to treat your garden for pest prevention? Uh, Are you going to spray heavy pesticides? Are you going to spray heavy fungicides? Or are you only going to go with organic pesticides and fungicides? Or are you not going to spray at all? Are you going to use predator, predator bugs in your garden? There are many very useful insects that we can order. We can purchase them online or locally from insectiaries. If you have one near you, you can get live bugs delivered to your grow and you can disperse those uh, live insects in your grow and they will eat the problem bugs. They will stick around if you buy the right insects. Uh, They'll make babies and they'll keep breeding in your garden. Those bugs are beneficial. They don't eat your plants. They don't cause any problems and they work as security guards for the other bugs. If some spider mites show up, they eat them. If you do decide to use sprays as your uh, plan of attack for pests and fungus, uh, how harsh or gentle of a chemical will you allow yourself to use in your garden? Do you want to use something that is crazy from uh, some Monsanto product, or do you just want to use some hippie uh, oil sprays? Where is your boundary? Where is your, uh, your threshold there? What will and will you not use? Start thinking about that now. Start researching the products and find out what you are comfortable with. I don't like... Um, Neem oil. Neem oil will make, if you're going to use your uh, your finished product for concentrates or any, I don't like neem oil. Neem oil will stick around in the flavor of your product. Most of those botanical oils and essential oils are not good for growing cannabis, in my opinion, because they stick around and you will taste it in the finished product if you use it too much. So let me find my notes again and see where I am. Uh, are you going to spray? Are you going to use predator bugs? I do have a note here uh, that says, in my opinion, Ladybugs are basically useless. I know a lot of people are going to throw their arms up in the air and go, what? I love ladybugs. In my opinion, for their price, they are not cost effective. They're not hungry enough. They're not aggressive enough. They don't stick around long enough. They fly away. You release a shit ton of ladybugs. However many many ladybugs you release tomorrow, you're only going to have half of them. If it's indoors, outdoors, greenhouse, whatever. Half of them are going to fly into the lights. Half of them are going to fly into the blowers. Half of them are just going to die because they don't have any food or they don't know what they're doing. It's just overpopulated with ladybugs. Suddenly they just die. Then by halfway through that day, you've only got a third. By the end of that day, you've probably got a quarter. This is my experience with ladybugs. You let a bunch of them go. You end up sweeping them up, shop vacuuming them up. They stink. You end up crunching them on the floor. Now you got to mop up the floor because you've got scattered, splattered ladybugs everywhere. I don't prefer ladybugs. I see people talk about all the time on social media ladybugs are amateur hour there are much more aggressive and qualified bugs out there to do the job for you uh swarskis persimilis hypoaspis miles green lace wings i know i'm going fast but uh, you can do some research and you can find those bugs that will work for you which predators work in your environment 
uh, when you go shopping for predator insects, you can do a lot of research on the website. Hopefully the website you were looking at will tell you this predator bug prefers this temperature range and this humidity range. The bugs do have a VPD, which they prefer also. If you don't have that type of a VPD, then you may wanna get a different bug or your insects that you just bought, your troopers, your army, your soldiers, they may come for a little while and hang out and eat a couple of bugs and they'll go, you know what? It's way too hot in here, bro. And they're gonna find an escape route and they're gonna go somewhere else and they're gonna go to a garden where it's a more appropriate temperature or they'll just die off. They'll quit breeding, they'll quit eating and they will die off. So find out the appropriate predators for your environment. A lot of the good companies, you can call them and they will give you advice and guidance. You can say, this is my greenhouse, my indoor, my outdoor production. <clears throat> Maybe be vague about cannabis, but just they don't care what plants you're growing. Talk about canopy size and bug infestation and bug pressure is what they will be more worried about. They're going to want to know canopy size, temperature, humidity, environment, environmental swings, things like that. Then they're going to want to know what pest are you trying to eradicate. So get a good idea of which insects you need for your environment and also be prepared for which insects are coming to your grow. Very commonly, you're going to get spider mites, thrips, fungus gnats, aphids. Um, if you're outdoors, you're going to get those moths that lay eggs in there and those moths turn into worms uh, and they come, become caterpillars and they become butterflies. I don't know what they are. We get a, in Colorado, we get a lot of melon worms here in Southern Colorado. They're orange worms that grow in the buds. Uh, they'll really wreak havoc on your plants quite quickly. So which insects do you think you're going to use? Uh, find out if they're cost effective for your area. Can you afford those insects? Um, learn how you're going to disperse them. Some of them have to be hung up on each individual plant. Some come in a container and you just take off the lid and they start climbing out. You just got to move them around a little bit. Depending on the size of your grow, uh, it may, have, may require a little bit of manpower to spread out those uh, sachets or however they are delivered to you. Uh, let me see where I'm in my notes. I did get lost. Uh, which predators are you going to use? Which bugs are you going to battle? Uh, now let's talk about spraying. Are you capable of spraying? I don't know how physically capable you are. You may have to mix up a five gallon, 10, maybe a 20 gallon container of water with pesticides mixed into it, with fungicides mixed into that. And then you may have to spray a large area. I don't know your physical limitations. I try to keep in mind some people aren't completely physically able like some people are. So maybe you need to get predator bugs and let them out. Maybe you have to spray because you can't disperse the predator bugs. What's going to work best for you? What can you physically manage? Do you have a crew? Do you have a staff? Do you have a helper? Do you have a couple strapping young lads out there that can just be in the heat all day putting out bugs? Or maybe a guy that can suit up in the middle of the day. Uh, don't spray during the day. Can't turn off the lights if you're in the greenhouse. Uh, but if you're outside or whatever, do you have a guy that can spray when the sun goes down or before the sun comes up? Do you have somebody capable of spraying? So think about that sort of stuff. Are you going to be able to stick to a routine and a cycle? You can get the bugs delivered on a schedule. If you set up a deal with the places that deliver the bugs, they can come once a week, every two weeks, twice a week, however you want to set up a routine, and they'll know what's best for you depending on the uh, infestation, the pest pressure, the beneficial insect you're buying, and the environment in which you're putting it in. The insectiaries will have great recommendations on frequency, and maybe they will try to sell you extra, but it is always better to have extra security guards than not enough. You want more on your team so that the other team can't take over. <clears throat> if your gang is bigger, you got a better chance of winning. Um, let me keep going to figure out how where I am. Okay, let's talk about spraying now. If you're spraying indoors, that is a good option. I am 
hesitant of spraying outdoors because in my opinion, uh, I don't want to disrupt the balance outdoors. I don't do a lot of outdoor growing. I may have a greenhouse project happening this year that I haven't talked about, but I don't do a lot of outdoor growing. If I were to grow outdoors, I would use beneficial insects and predator bugs as my way of taking care of pest pressure. My reasoning for not wanting to spray outside is I feel it disrupts the outside. Outside is already doing its thing. It's great. Outside, if we don't mess with it, outside is perfect. It's perfectly sustainable. Humans are what mess up outside. We put our plants out there. We're going to get a bug out there. Uh, Something most likely is going to eat that bug. Then that bug is either going to move on or try to make home in our plants. Then in most cases, another bug will come get rid of that. We do do have to draw the line somewhere. We can't just have a bug battle happening in our plants every day. And there are some things, like I've seen spider mites build webs and take over gardens really quickly without any interaction or prevention. But I think that outside, if we mess around too much, we do cause more problems. So my opinion, uh, my preference would be to use the beneficial insects for the outdoor grow. That way we're not spraying things. We're not destroying the environment. That patch of land you're growing on may be yours. It may not be. It could be somebody else's land you just snuck on. Don't be a dick. But either way, treat that land with respect. That that 10 by 10 patch of land may be yours. Everything around it is ours. Somebody out there owns it. Somebody next door to you owns it. The environment that it is actually a part of is all of ours. And please respect it and take good care of it. I don't know where your sprays are going. I don't know what you're doing to the earth, the environment, the air, all of that stuff. We're sharing it. Keep that in mind, please. I'm sure that most people listening to my show are going to be very gentle and very courteous and very mindful, but still keep in mind that that patch of land that you're fucking up for this one grow season to have a successful crop, that's also our land. That's also our environment. You won't be here forever. Hopefully that land outlives you and there are other generations that have to live on that land. Let's not make it have to live on that land. Let's make it they get to live on that land that you did not destroy, contaminate, uh, Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Make it infertile. Let's not do that to the land around us. Let's have respect. All right, that's enough of my hippie ramble. But really, you guys, keep that stuff in mind when you're spraying. You're spraying your area, but where's the drift going? Where's the pesticide going? What are the long-term effects you are doing to that plot of land? What are you doing to the ecosystem, the balance, the environment? And now you're going to say, yeah, but you're going to release a bunch of beneficial insects. Yeah, uh, they're beneficial insects. They're going to help the garden. They're not going to, it's not chemical stuff. It's not going to change the earth for a long time. And they're going to help out my fellow neighbor growers by eating their pests as well. All right, let me find my notes and get back where I am. Now, I know I did mention this already, but think about your strategy before it is time to attack. I know we don't want bugs. I know we don't want to have to get in there or go out there and attack a bunch of bugs and try to fix a problem, but have a plan in place. What are you going to do? Now, I keep talking about greenhouse environments, indoor, outdoor environments. Here is a huge piece of advice. We have built, if you have built a nice indoor environment, you've hung up your lights, you've put up the reflective coating on the wall, you've cleaned up the flooring real well, you went and bought a bunch of brand new gear, we ran ducting, we've got a carbon filter in there. If you're growing plants indoors, please 
don't take them outside. I know you're going to want to take them outside. It's like taking them for a walk. You're going to go get them some fresh air, some sunshine, go expose them to the environment, but you're also going to expose them to all of the bugs that are outside. And then you're going to bring that precious plant with its new uh, passengers, its stowaways into your beautiful grow. Now in your grow, you are creating the most perfect environment. Hopefully you've got the most ideal environment for that plant, but also that's the most ideal beautiful, perfect environment for whatever bugs you just brought in on that plant to thrive. They're going to have a party. They're going to say, dude, it is 77 degrees in here. It is the perfect humidity in here. There's not too much wind in here. The light cycle is the same constantly. There's no pest pressure. There's no rain. There's no dew in the morning. There's no problem. We could just have a party in here. It is the island of Jamaica for the pests. They're just going to start partying, and then they're going to start breeding in there. And then within a couple of days, you're going to go, oh, I really fucked up putting that plant outside and bringing it back in here because there's nothing to stop that uh, that party. They're going to breed and they're going to eat and they're going to breed and they're going to eat and they're just going to take over your garden. So I really recommend not taking your plants outside and bringing them back in. If you've got indoor plants, they should be indoor plants. If you've got outdoor plants, those are outdoor plants. If you've got greenhouse plants, those are greenhouse plants. Really, uh, I wouldn't recommend bringing, I see it all the time on social media, put the plants outside today for a couple of hours and I'm like, oh, you're going to take them indoors and contaminate the entire grow space. Then you got to reclean that whole grow space. Uh, yeah, you've, you've created that beautiful indoor grow environment. Let's just leave them in there. They will, they will appreciate it. Now let's talk about pest management. We have talked about prevention. Uh, we've talked about thinking about what we might use. Let's talk about identifying our bugs. Learn to identify bugs. How about now? Maybe you don't have an infestation now, right? How about now, while you're listening to me, maybe just Google spider mites, two-spotted spider mites, uh, russet mites. Google all of the common spider mites that could be found in your area. That way you know what they look like. Then let's start looking for what a spider mite damage look like. Uh, it looks like somebody just took your leaves and just started poking it with a little little needle and all the juices came out of that leaf where you poked it and it just starts getting dry and they call it stip, stipule. Stipule, I think that's the word. Uh, we learned it in art class. I forgot the word. It looks like somebody just was just poking at that leaf and just trying to just poke it and make a little, it'll look gradient. It'll be green and then it'll kind of gradient to like a dead yellowy color and that's where the spider mites are just having lunch and they're probably on the underside of the leaf. So pull off that leaf and take a look at it. Uh, right along the main vein of the leaves, the long main vein, they'll be tucked up there under the edge trying to hide, laying eggs. Uh, maybe you need a microscope or some sort of magnification, but pull off a leaf and take a look. You're going to find them right there at the bottom. So learn to identify the bugs which we are expecting to encounter. Learn to identify spider mites. Uh, learn to identify Ooh, the devil. In my opinion, one of the worst insects to face. I'm not afraid of most. Uh, I can battle and conquer almost any infestation you'll get in a grow, whether it's a home grow, a commercial environment, a greenhouse, outdoor. I'm not the expert, but most other places we will conquer all problems. My biggest fear, my biggest adversary would be the russet mite. Those things are the fucking devil. Learn how to identify them. Learn how to identify the signs of their presence in your garden. Uh, they will trick you. They will make you think you've got nutrient problems. They'll make you think you've got watering problems. They'll make you think the plants are just doing weird shit. And then you'll realize, oh, I've got russet mites. 
Russet mites are the devil. That's the biggest problem in the garden. I do know how to get rid of them, but it does take a little bit of uh, some strategy and some persistence. You got to be on top of that shit. So learn to identify those bugs, spotted mites, spider mites, uh, russet mites, aphids. Aphids are easy because uh, aphids have uh, tailpipes. If you look at, they look like a little Volkswagen Beetle with tailpipes, two exhaust pipes coming out of them. Aphids always have exhaust pipes. Uh, and they come in all colors. I've been seeing new colors of aphids, which I've never seen before in Colorado. It's like every year we get a new color of aphid. So uh, if you got a little green bug, a little white bug, a little, it could be purple, brown, yellow. Uh, I've seen them of all colors. I haven't seen a blue aphid yet. Um, have I? No, I haven't seen purple or blue aphids. Uh, but anyway, aphids can be all colors. So those weird looking little shiny uh, Volkswagen Beetle looking things that are climbing around. Uh, those are possibly aphids in your grow. Thrips. You probably won't see the thrips. They're tiny. What you will see is uh, honeydew. It looks like they just it looks like they blew their nose or something blew your no- blew its nose on your lower leaves. It'll be on the bottom leaves of the plant because the thrips likes to go hang out in the soil. And they come up at night and they shit all over your leaves. So uh, that's called honeydew. Thrips are super easy to get rid of. People panic when they see thrips. Those are easy, easy to get rid of. White flies. White flies. Uh, you may confuse a thrip or a fungus gnat. Let me fucking try to say that again. I'm not even going to edit that. Uh, white flies. You may confuse a white fly with an aphid. If it flies away when you tap the plant, that's a white fly. Sometimes uh, you'll be watering and you'll bump the plant just gently, just like I did this mic stand, and you'll just see little ashy bugs come flying out. Those bitches are white flies. They are very easy to eradicate. Uh, those are more uh, of a, an annoyance than a problem. They can be a vector and lead to further issues, but really they're more just annoying and obnoxious than anything else. And they fuck up your pictures and they get in your face. Uh, those suck. Um, just like fungus gnats, fungus gnats are obnoxious and they fly around as well. If you tap the pot and these little black flies come out, those little bitches are fungus gnats. That's probably from overwatering. If you don't overwater as frequently, let the soil dry up a little bit. Uh, you'll have less likelihood for fungus gnats. Uh, something I've learned, if you run uh, Canon LED lighting from Black Sail Market, big shout out to my buddy Keith at Black Sail. If you run the Canon LEDs, the diode is about the size of a 50 cent piece. And I think the fungus gnats are attracted to it. They fly right into that 50 cent piece of a light and they fall directly down onto the plant that is right below that. So you could just go scoop them up off of that plant and you'll be able to identify your fungus gnats. You'll know it's like a little indicator, a little marker. You'll know they're there because that LED light is just nuking them. They can't resist it. They fly right into it and they hit it and they go, oh, that's too hot. And then they cook and they just fall right onto the plants below. All right. I did mention that outdoors, you're going to get caterpillars and melon beetles. Those are uh, not the easiest to get rid of. You're going to have to treat with some, probably some spray products. I'm not sure uh, what predators are large enough. Maybe a praying mantis, maybe a giant lacewing, uh, maybe big enough to eat some of those caterpillars and melon beetles. Uh, Those are things you're going to see outdoors, possibly in the greenhouse. I hope you don't get those in the greenhouse. Uh, More stuff you might see. Powdery mildew. Powdery mildew is very common. I keep saying it's powdery mildew season here in Colorado. Uh, Temperature swings, humidity swings, diurnal swings will definitely lead to powdery mildew here in Colorado. Overfoliation, over leafy plants, uh, low circulation, things like that will definitely lead to powdery mildew. Powdery mildew is definitely something you'll run into in a greenhouse environment very commonly. We get it here in Colorado because we have a lot of drastic temperature changes. Uh, Powdery mildew is not very hard to get rid of. Uh, It's also very easy to prevent. 
Uh, you can spray a few products on your plants. There are some organic products that you could spray that will work as a preventative. Uh, I wasn't going to talk a lot about stuff like that, but I like uh, for a preventative and a corrective product in a uh, powdery mildew situation, I like the products Cease. I haven't used it, but I've seen a lot of great success with Green Cure. And then if it really gets nasty, uh, Zerotol 2.0 is not organic, but it is a good product. We've got a lot of options. But uh, if you spray it with the Cease or a combination of the two, you'll prevent a nice protective layer. Those are beneficial bacterias that eat the powdery mildew or uh, one of them eats the powdery mildew. One creates a surface uh, pH on the leaf surface that makes it undesirable for powdery mildew to colonize. So those are a couple of ways to help you prevent powdery mildew prevention there from a fungus. You can do that indoors, outdoors, greenhouse environments. Uh, Cease is organic. It's a little bit expensive, but it's cheaper than powdery mildew. Now, another thing that is very important when it comes to integrated pest management is scouting and indicators. Do you know what you're looking for? Do you know the signs of pests? I've talked about a couple of things to look for. Spider mites, you're going to see stippling, little pokies. You're going to see little crawly bugs on the bottom of the leaves. If you see webbing, you've got spider mites and you have not been paying attention. It's time to get in there and get rid of those fucking things. Uh, the aphids, you're going to see little skittles crawling around your plants. Thrips, you're going to see the honeydew. White flies, you'll see the ashes flying around. Fungus gnats are little black things flying around. Uh, caterpillars and melon beetles and orange worms, those are going to be obvious. Uh, powdery mildew looks like you're starting to put powdered sugar on the plants. It looks like you were eating a powdered donut and just dribbled it right onto the plant. That's what that looks like. So uh, do you know what you're looking for? Know the signs of bugs and powdery mildew. Also pay attention for bud rot, but that's a little bit later in the season when you've got buds. If the inside of that bud looks brown and squishy and shitty, you've got bud rot. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, scouting and indicators. Uh, does the whole crew, if you're working with a crew, more people than just yourself, do they all know what they're looking for? Do you have a specific person scouting every day? Yes, every day. You should look at every plant every single day if you're looking for pests. There should be one person or a team of people trained to identify and scout for pests. What are your indicators? A lot of people use yellow sticky traps in their garden. Unfortunately, they're thinking that that is a pest eradicator. That is not a way to get rid of pests. That is simply there to tell you you have got pests. You look at the yellow sticky trap every day, maybe twice a day, maybe take a peek at it before you leave the grow, take a peek when you come back and see how many bugs are sticking to that yellow sticky trap. You're going to get a few bugs just because life has bugs. There are bugs wherever you are. You may get a fly. I'm sure you saw the little gnat flying around here. You may get some mosquitoes or something stuck to it, but do you have a bunch of white flies or a bunch of fungus gnats or a bunch of something unidentifiable stuck to those sticky cards? Pay attention. Let them be indicators. As soon as you see that number getting to where it's concerning, it's time to step up your prevention, maybe start doing an eradication, maybe start putting more beneficial insects into the room. It's time to start rethinking your strategy if you are seeing the numbers on the cards get too high. Do scouting. Don't be afraid I talk a lot about defoliating. When you're defoliating, don't be afraid to take off a few leaves and flip them upside down and take a moment to see what you've got going on on the bottom of those leaves. Are there bugs? Are there eggs? Take some time. Enjoy your plants. Spend a minute with them. Inspect them. Scout them. Now let's talk about plant damage and other signs of trouble. Do you see signs of trouble? Do you see plant damage? I've told you what to look for. Are you in there every day looking for it? 
the problem, the problem plant. I can already tell you it's the one in the back corner that you don't fuck with enough. That's the one that's got the bugs on it. Get back there and look at it. Love that plant. Give it kisses. Why are you annoying? Why are you avoiding that one plant? What did it do to you? There's always that one in the grow. It's always just back there or back there in the corner. That's the one with bugs and those bugs are going to move on pretty soon and they're going to be in the whole grow. So, uh, look for signs of damage. Do you know what you're looking for? Do you know what kind of bugs are doing that damage? Now, do you know how to react properly with intent and purpose? Just because you see bug damage doesn't mean you need to go get pesticide A and heavily spray pesticide A. What if the pesticide you just got is for spider mites and the bugs that you've got are thrips? Is it going to work? Is it going to do anything? Or did you just spray the plants with some stressful shit, spend some money, spend some time, spend some energy on the wrong thing? Let's identify the pest, do some research on the appropriate product or beneficial insect to eradicate that pest and apply with intent and purpose. Have a strategy, have a schedule. How often do you need to apply this product? Um, How many days apart do I need to wait to apply this product? What other products can I apply with this and what other products can I not apply with this? Some things you can't mix, some things you can mix. Some things you shouldn't spray maybe five to seven days apart from each other. You may want to wait. Uh, If you treat with any sulfur products, don't treat with any oils for five to seven days before or after and the opposite. Sulfurs and oils shouldn't mix. It's going to give you huge problems on your plants. So uh, be ready to react properly with intent and purpose. Have uh, a good idea is to have multiple modes of attack. If you've got... uh, Swirskis and Persimilis and Hypoaspis Miles and Lacewings in there. You've got multiple modes of attack, three different bugs going in there. You can't run and hide from three or four different bugs. But if you've got a tank mix with multiple ingredients, you can spray multiple things in the garden at one time. That way you hit with multiple modes of attack. Some pesticides simply make the plants undesirable for the bugs. The bugs are like, oh, that's sticky and stinky. I don't want to go there. Other pesticides will infect your bugs with a mushroom or a fungus that grows inside of them and then explodes them. Other pesticides will simply make the bugs forget to eat and then they just don't eat and they die. Some pesticides will make the bugs unable to breed, so they'll just keep going, but they can't make any more. So multiple modes of attack. What if I hit you with the pesticide that makes you not want to breed and forget to eat? And now you're just not eating and you're not breeding. You're just walking around going, I don't have a purpose. And then you die and you don't come back and the bugs are gone. So if you hit with multiple modes of attack, you can definitely eradicate your problems more quickly. Here is something to keep in mind. I'm talking about multiple modes of attack and multiple products in a tank mix. Bugs will get what is known as resistance to a pesticide. Just think about if you walk in the room every day and I punch you right in the jaw every day, day one is going to fucking hurt. Day two, it's going to hurt. Day three, it's going to suck. Day four, all right, I got punched in the jaw again. Day five, yep. Day six, right in the jaw. By day 12, you're just going to walk out the door and you're just going to put your jaw out there and take it and keep doing your thing. If you keep spraying the bugs the same thing over and over and over again, they're going to start drinking it up like Kool-Aid and it's not going to do anything to them. It doesn't take very long for some of these new bugs. We've, we've evolved these bugs so quickly by doing this. They've developed such quick Uh, resistance to pesticides that we've got to rotate and use multiple modes of attack. So rotate your pesticides to prevent resistance. Um, One thing that uh, the bug lady, Suzanne says, uh, you cannot build a resistance to being eaten. So if you want to use those predator bugs, they will always win because you cannot build a resistance to being eaten. 
there's no resistance, especially if you power in numbers. If you overdo it with those uh, predator insects, you will definitely win. Let's see. I've already said that I don't like neem oil. I don't like oils with a lot of fragrances, especially like spearmint oils, peppermint oils, uh, any of that uh, sticky oil that you spray on the plants that you can see it kind of stick and leave a shine onto the plants. I don't like spraying that sort of stuff because I make a lot of concentrates out of my products. I want to smoke a concentrate that is oil-free. When you make concentrates from products that have been sprayed with oils, you can see an experienced concentrate maker, uh, consumer. I'm not even an experienced maker, and I can see it. I can see the oils float to the top of the concentrates when you're putting oils and weird sprays and shit in the plants. We can see it. Some people know how to remove it. I don't know how to do that part. That's not my area of expertise, but I can see it. I can identify it on the top of the concentrates, a little oily sheen. Just like if you mix oil and water together, you can watch the oil float. I can see that. I can see the pesticides when the products are being processed. So I don't like a lot of crazy hippie oils. I would rather just go with a pesticide or insects than some of those uh, lower level uh, hippie oils they sell at the store. You know which brands I'm talking about. I skip all of that stuff. Now, um, spray properly. Whatever you're going to spray, spray properly. Do you need to spray the top of the leaf? Do you need to spray the underside of the leaf? Some products like to be sprayed what is called to runoff. So you spray the plants until they're just fucking dripping to where you got a puddle of pesticide or off spray around the bottom of the plant. Some plants do, uh, some pesticides do not want to be sprayed to runoff. So they just want you to spray the plant with enough just to get enough of it on there and it stays there. And then some of them, you got to spray the underside of the leaf extreme. Like if you got spider mites, you need to spray the underside of the leaves because that's where the bugs are. If you're spraying for powdery mildew, you need to spray the top because that's where the powdery mildew is going to go. So understand how to spray properly. Also, uh, understand the pesticides you are using. All This is something I probably should have started with, but every bottle that you're going to use has a booklet on the front. Open up that booklet and read about the re-entry interval. What? When you spray a pesticide, there's amount of time you should leave your grow and not enter that because it is uh, those pesticides are fresh and flying around. You just sprayed bubbles in there and you got wet pesticide in there. You don't want to be rubbing up against it. You don't want that in your lungs, in your skin. There is something called the re-entry interval written on that booklet inside of your on your pesticides. Read that book. There is so much information in there. There are dosage recommendations. There is a part that tells you what personal protective equipment to wear. Always wear the appropriate personal protective equipment when applying any type of pesticide. If you're just spraying water, if you're making small enough bubbles, I like to wear a mask or a respirator. I don't want to inhale micronized bubbles of anything into my lungs. That doesn't sound like a good idea. We got enough shit to deal with right now with our lungs. Let's try to not poison, contaminate, and injure ourselves while trying to take care of our plants. So proper personal protective equipment at all times. It will be listed inside of the pesticide book. Right on the front of the bottle, you just pull out this one little book. All the info you need is right there. Just read the book. It's only going to take you a couple of minutes, and it may really, really help you out. Use all of the recommended personal protective equipment. Always use gloves. I recommend like a paper Tyvek suit. If you can't invest in that, get a long sleeve shirt, wear that. Get some long pants. Always wear shoes and socks in the grow that cover up your feet. The bottoms of your feet are one of the most absorbent parts for contaminants and pesticides. So think about 
spray a pesticide, drips off the plant, lands on the floor, you're barefoot, you step on that shit, you're going to get maximum pesticide absorption and exposure that you could possibly get through the bottoms of your feet. There are a couple other spots. Uh, of course, your genitals, because you got that thin, soft skin, armpits, face, but the bottoms of your feet are a prime spot for you to accidentally contaminate yourself. So please wear the appropriate personal protective equipment and read the bottles, learn about the equipment, the re-entry intervals, and learn about the toxicity levels of those uh, products you're using. Does it say like warning, hazard, danger, poison? It's going to have words like that on there. Know what you're working with. Um, also, maybe have the MSDS sheets available. Maybe have a spray log available. If you're in a commercial environment, those are required. If you're in a personal grow, you can get crazy and willy-nilly with all that shit. But still, it would be a good idea to have a binder with an MSDS log for all of your products. That's simply uh, find every product you've got and go to the internet, go to the website, type in whatever product. Um, I'm just gonna, I don't have any liquid products near me. I've got, I can see a bottle of Cease. So Cease, biological pesticide or fungicide, whatever it says on there, uh, Cease product, MSDS sheet, and you'll find it. Every product has an MSDS sheet available. They have to print it. Uh, I make, I buy these little, it's like a little laminate folder that you'd keep like for a presentation and a folder. And I just print them off and I slide them all into there and make a notebook out of them. That way, if anything does go wrong, if I do end up sick, if I do ingest something, I can grab that folder, I can grab my pesticide log and I can go to the hospital and I can say, there's probably clues in here and then they can help me out or maybe somebody can take that shit for me if I'm not able to do it. Just good ideas to protect yourself. That may be a different uh, strategy if you were in what is known as a red state. Maybe you don't, that's all evidence at this point in a red state. So be careful with that decision. But I do like to have uh, the MSDS sheets, a spray log, I try to have all that stuff available in case you never know what could go wrong. And I was trained by the Department of Agriculture, uh, the Colorado Department of Agriculture, to keep those types of records in a commercial environment. Uh, it's required. You have to have all that stuff for, I think, uh, three to five years, it all has to be kept on file. Uh, the compliance officer knows how many years she keeps it all for us, but, uh, shout out to uh, your compliance officer, wherever you are. I am super off topic. Now, where are we? Keep those books, keep all that stuff documented. And then, uh, I was saying I'm, uh, trained by the department of agriculture. I guess maybe it would be a good time to drop my credentials in here. Since I'm talking about pesticides, applications, all this safety and stuff, you're going, well, who the hell are you, bro? Uh, that's a good question. I have got a training from the Colorado Department of Agriculture and the Colorado State University. I was trained by a very great lady named Thea Walker. I took like a, it's either a six or eight hour class at a cool building in Denver with, uh, there were very few people in that class, but it was a good time. And she taught us in great detail about pesticides, pesticide handling, uh, pesticide application, pesticide exposure. She taught us a great class. I am what is called train the trainer certified. I can go to commercial groves in the state of Colorado and I can teach them how to be pesticide compliant. I can train other people to train the staff how to be pesticide compliant. So uh, that is my credential. I'm train the trainer certified, which means I can train other trainers. I go to the grow and I train the lead grower and he teaches the staff or I just do a big meeting, teach the whole class all at one time, teach up the whole, uh, the whole gang. So those are my credentials. I do have a little bit of training with pesticides, pesticide application, handling and safety. I'm not just talking out of my ass on this episode of the others use your best judgment um 
All right, where am I? I've got a lot of notes here. I try to just freestyle because it feels better. I feel like I get in a good flow. The notes make me feel too robotic. Uh, spray properly. Do you need to spray the top, the bottom, uh, runoff or not? Then the next part is soil drench. A lot of our pests uh, live on the leaves and hang out in the plants, but a lot of them retreat to the soil uh, for safety. We can shake the plants. We can disrupt things. They just go hide down in the dirt because a lot of things can't get to them. So for those pests, that's when I would recommend what is known as a soil dredge or a soil drench. There are many great products you can use to get rid of many common pests in your soil. Most commonly, you're going to find uh, fungus gnats in your soil. You may find root aphids in your soil. Those are all easy to defeat with a root drench. Uh, a root drench or a spray, any kind of pesticide treatment needs to be done on a good, solid schedule. I spray in a commercial environment. Uh, if we don't have any issues, I spray every Monday. If I see one sign of issues, we spray every Monday and every Thursday. If I see something in the soil, we'll do a soil drench on Monday, and then we'll do another soil drench on the next Monday. If I feel like there's still an issue, we'll hit the soil again on Thursday, along with those sprays. So we're spraying up top and we're soaking the soil. We're really trying to attack from all angles with multiple modes of attack. So a soil dredge is not a problem. Never be afraid to soil dredge those plants if you've got a soil-borne insect, something like a fungus gnat, uh, something like a root aphid. Uh, really easy product to soil drench with is evergreen. Uh, maybe 15 to 30 mils of evergreen. Is that correct? I don't want to steer you wrong. That came out really naturally. Uh, 15 to 30 millimeter, milliliters of evergreen per gallon of water. Uh, nice soil dredge. Start off with the 15. See if that helps you out. The plants are going to kind of react. Uh, soil dredge till you get some runoff. That should help get rid of your bugs. I'm going to do research and make sure I said the right numbers when I edit. Um, so we got a soil dredge for soil borne pests. Uh, if you're hitting the soil and you're hitting the foliage and the plants, and the room is right, you're definitely going to be on the right path to getting rid of all of those problem bugs. But keep in mind, if you're using predators, we can't go spraying some things. We can't spray most things, and we definitely can't use most of these soil dredges. They will destroy your predators. So that's going to be some strategy to work on there. The most important part to all of this is to have a routine and a plan and a strategy. If you just go in there on Monday and spray and think I got rid of it all, no, you didn't. You killed the live bugs or you killed the eggs, but the opposite is still there. There's still a small population that you missed. You've got to be on top of it. That's why I spray every Monday and every Thursday if I see any issues. Get in there Monday with one or two pesticides, then get in there on Thursday with one or two different pesticides. Then go back Monday with one of the products I used on Monday, one of the products I used on Thursday. Then on Thursday, I'll use the other two products and we'll just keep rotating, maybe add some new shit. <clears throat> Then I just keep rotating, maybe add a product, maybe take a product out. But I really do try to attack those bugs with all fucking options. All right. Another important part is to have boundaries and ethics. Don't spray shit laid into flour. Uh, don't spray the wrong things in flour at all. Don't spray shit that you would not admit spraying. If you wouldn't write it down and say, hey, I sprayed 30 millimeters of this, uh, milliliters. Sorry, I keep saying millimeters for some reason. Uh, if you're not proud of it, if you wouldn't admit it, if you wouldn't smoke it with me, don't fucking spray it on your plants. That is really the ethics of all of it. If you wouldn't smoke it, please don't spray it. If you wouldn't tell us about it and be honest about it, just don't do it. You know, you know, and you got to feel it. Imagine if you spray some shit on your plants and you sell it to me or give it to me because you, you're like, bro, thank you for the lessons. And you give me an ounce of weed and I smoke it 
And like, I started going, man, my lungs feel weird. And like two weeks later, I'm like, my lung is all burning. And like a week later, I'm like, I got to go to the hospital. My lung is fucking on fire. And four weeks later, like I had to pull my right lung out because I got some disease from a pesticide. And you're like, oh, that could have been from the shit that I sold him. Like, imagine how you're going to feel. I don't want anybody to feel that way. So use some ethics when it comes to the pesticides and things you were spraying onto your plants. Any sort of foliar product, anything you're feeding your plants, anything you're doing should be treated with all of that sort of ethics. What would Rasta Jeff do? Think about that as you're doing shit in your garden. That may be a new merch product. All right, I'm going to go over these notes real quick, and then uh, we may start wrapping up this podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, uh, beneficial insect users, and pesticide spray applicators. I want to thank you again for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I do want to stress that the most important part of this is that you read the bottles and use all of the personal protective equipment and do understand those re-entry intervals. Something I should add, I didn't mention on the re-entry interval part. Those products are meant to be sprayed outdoors. All of those products, the re-entry interval written on those bottles is for outdoors. Add two to four hours if you were in an indoor environment. I know that sounds crazy, but they're used to having wind and sun to break down those products. You don't have that in your indoor grow. So I would add two to four hours to your re-entry interval for your sprayed applications. All right. Uh, I think that is all I've got for you. Really, I hope you did learn a lot from this episode. I hope this inspired a lot of questions, corrections, comments, and concerns. If you've got those, my email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. I do look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to join the Discord server. It's a party. Don't miss us. Also, don't forget about Patreon, patreon.com forward slash growfromyourheart. Now is the time to like and subscribe and also hit that little notification bell. Every time I put out a new video, you will get a notification. That's right. If you're watching on YouTube, now is the time. Please do click like, subscribe, and click the notification bell. All right, that's all I've got for you. You know I'll be back in just a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Billy Podunk. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.